Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting for the second day in a row. And that's because National Signing Day is coming up in... Less than 24 hours as of the time that we are recording this. Don and I are meeting up on Tuesday morning. For everyone listening, you're probably hearing this Tuesday afternoon or maybe Wednesday morning. So the goal for this one is to kind of provide a roadmap to which recruits could be signing with the Tar Heels on Wednesday when National Signing Day begins. But Don, before we actually get into that, um, go ahead and, and talk with us a little bit about this early signing day period. Because off air, you you said something that I was actually not aware of, that it's not just Wednesday. There's actually a window that recruits can sign with schools. So just, you know, kind of that that bird's eye general view. What is this early signing day that's going to take place on Wednesday? Well, it starts on Wednesday, of course, uh, December 19th, and it goes all the way to Friday, December 21st. And, And it's just, you know, it's just like, Normal signing day only, you have that window, um, and if you miss that window, then you have to wait until the, um, I guess we call it the late signing day or the or the typical signing day back in February, which is the first Wednesday in February. Now, you know, I guess the reason why a lot of people um, have the misconception that it's only that Wednesday in December is because the majority, if not all of, um, or I should say the majority, the vast majority of uh, of recruits sign on Wednesday. You'll get a couple guys who will sign on Thursday and a couple on Friday, but not enough to really make any sort of, uh, I guess, dent. Um, I think for the most part, all of UNC's guys signed on Wednesday last year, and uh, we should experience the same thing this year also. All right, so let's just go ahead and go position by position, Don, and the way that we will do this is we will talk about uh, if the Tar Heels have a verbal commitment at the position. Don and I will give our thoughts on the the prospect. If there's some uncommitted guys, we'll kind of discuss if if we think it's a name that Carolina fans should be paying close attention to, and you know just kind of see see where the discussion takes us from there. But to start with, let's go ahead and begin at the quarterbacks. And according to the Inside Carolina Football Recruiting Board, there's only one name on there, Don, Sam Howell. He took his official visit over the weekend, and it's kind of up in the air right now, I think, if he is actually going to go ahead and sign with the school this week. Let me give my thoughts first, and then I want to hear your take since since you're the expert and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong here. But as far as Howell... I'm just going to go out on the limb, Don, and say that I think he will go ahead and flip his commitment to the Tar Heels and sign with them on signing day, which would be a huge boost to this class, especially in state. What are your thoughts on that? Am I kind of just, you know, being way too optimistic there? Or do you think there's a chance that that could actually happen? Well, I think that you have uh, that opinion because Inside Carolina has really been all over the Sam Howell situation for the last yes. few weeks. I mean, we, I don't even know how many stories we have done 
Um, and, you know, I, I'm really proud of uh, Inside Carolina staff for being all over this because if Sam Howe does flip, it's he's going to easily be the headliner of this class. He's going to be the best player in this class, and it's not even going to be, be close. Um, and it's going to end a very uh, dramatic courting by North Carolina <laughs> Uh, for much of this uh, recruitment, it, there's been a lot of twists and turns. Uh, with with all that said, yeah, I, I think it's uh, based off of what we last reported on Monday, and we have a very thorough interview with uh, Sam's dad, uh, Duke Hal, who also is uh, Sun Valley High School's uh, offensive coordinator, about their last-minute abbreviated official visit to North Carolina on Sunday. And it just breaks down, you know, where are things at? And, um, you know, really what it comes down to is is that UNC has an offensive coordinator and Florida State does not. In addition to UNC obtaining an offensive coordinator and plenty of time for Sam and his parents to meet, um, meet him, which is we're talking about Phil Longo, and also spend some time with him. He, the Howells also have a prior relationship with Longo. So um, I think that has gone a long way. And Sam Howe's father has said a lot of um, positive things about Longo. But you can definitely tell that there's definitely a, um, you know, a appreciation and um, for what Longo could do and what Sam could do within Longo's offense. And I think that really helps. Also, I, I think for a while now, you know, They've kind of been looking for this house that is have been looking for a reason to go to North Carolina, and it's just because of the the distance from family and everything like that. And, and I think it's just, um, you know, it, I think it's just kind of finally coming to fruition. The problem all along is he's been committed to Florida State, and he has really helped. Really, he has really helped recruit Florida State's commits you know, for the majority of the commitment class. And I think that Sam feels a loyalty to not only Florida state, but to the guys he helped um, land at Florida state. And so that's making it difficult. And that's why we, we still don't have an answer on what he, exactly he's going to do. Now um, I know that there's been some talk about Sam not signing during the December signing period. And that's the other thing I didn't mention early on when you asked me about the signing period is that for early enrollees, actually for any enrollee, you don't have to sign. And um, Sam and his, and his parents were considering not signing during the December signing period and instead just waiting until uh, they needed to enroll and just en- enroll in their chosen school. When I spoke to Sam's dad on Monday, that was uh, that was not going to be con- that was right now at the, that point wasn't going to be considered. Sam was going to sign on Wednesday. Um, with that said, I mean, this this has had so many twists and turns. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if there's some sort of change. Uh, but as I said, the plan is to sign on Wednesday. And we should know before signing day where he's signing, unless he all of a sudden decides to have some sort of, uh, you know, hat game announcement sort of thing. <laughs> all right. Well, that's certainly one to, to keep an eye on, Don. And, I mean, you broke it down perfectly there. So let's go ahead and move on to running backs. And the Tar Heels have one verbal commitment there, Josh Henderson out of Princeton, New, New Jersey. Uh, let's just go ahead and start talking about Josh. And Don, I'll tell you, he is a running back that actually I have been very impressed with. He runs with power. 
He still has some agility, though. And I really think that the that the heels kind of landed someone that's going to be a little bit under the radar when it comes to productivity in actual college. Uh, Josh is a very hard worker. He seems like, like a good kid. I think that he will redshirt his, his freshman year um, due due to the new NCAA rule. Maybe he'll play like in a you know game or two against like like a, a cupcake just to see what he can do against some some college level competition. But overall, I think Henderson is is going to kind of fit in with a little bit of what Longo wants in that air raid because Longo does prefer kind of a running back that can be a little bit more direct than the zone schemes that that, that Coach Fedora employed. And I I think that Josh is going to do really well in the new offensive system. Like I said, though, he is is most likely going to redshirt, in my opinion. He needs some time to get a little bit stronger and to get acclimated to college. But I really like like this signing. And from everything I've seen, I don't think there's any worry that you know he could be possibly trying to flip and sign anywhere else on National Signing Day. What are your thoughts on that? Well, as far as the, the redshirting, I agree. I think the reasons, though, are the fact that UNC returns all of its running backs this past season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Brown, Antonio Williams, Michael Carter, and Javante Williams played a lot. That that are those are four guys who have will have ex- more experience than Josh. I agree. It wouldn't surprise me if we see him in in a few games, but but not enough to um, to uh, I guess burn his red shirt as a player. You know, you look at him; he looks like a well, he is a big back, um, but you. There's these, uh, I guess, assumptions you make when you see a big bag that he's maybe not so fast, maybe not so agile, and just you know a goal line situation, short yard situation guy. But Henderson actually relies much more on his uh, his vision and and his instincts and and even a little bit of uh, elusiveness to to make plays. I mean, he'll run over a guy, but that's the last option for him. He wants to um, he wants to run away from you. He wants to put a move on you. He wants to find the the quickest way to get to point A and point B. And point B is usually the end zone. Hmm. Well, and w- what do you think about his ability to fit into the new Longo air raid scheme, Don? Because that that vision and that kind of you know make his cut and go. That's what I was talking about. Where I really feel that that he's going to be able to fit in well. Give us your your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who who can make that one cut and and hit the seam, and he's he's a guy that before he makes that cut, will see which hole is going to be best for him uh, through that vision. And so, no, I I agree with you. I think he fits perfectly in what Longo wants to do. All right, so let's move on to the wide receiver group. Another position that's going to be heavily impacted by the uh, incoming air raid offense. Right now, UNC has four total prospects that are supposed to sign on Wednesday or during the early signing day period. Four-star wide receiver, Coffrey Brown. Three-star wide receiver, Justin Olson. Three-star wide receiver, Emory Simmons. And then three-star wide receiver, Welton Spotsville. Out of these guys, Don, you know, Brown is obviously the headliner being the, the four-star kid. He was someone who was, I think, probably on projected to be a little bit even higher ranked, not necessarily like a five-star guy, but maybe a higher four-star before he had a really bad injury in high school. He's still working his way back from that. 
So let's start there. You know, what are your thoughts on Brown? And do you think he could be kind of that headliner wide receiver in this class? I I see him more as a complimentary piece. You know, I mean, he has the speed. Um, but as you mentioned, it has diminished a little bit with the injury. You know, the thing with him that I love is that you look at him and and um and you and you know about his speed and everything, and you think he's just a guy you can give the ball to and, and um and he's going to take it the distance, and he's capable of doing that. But he's also a very willing blocker. He also contributes on special teams. He's willing to do the little stuff that doesn't show up in the box score, and that's what I really like about him. That's really what I what I noticed during uh, Shrine Bowl week last week because he was uh, a North Carolina representative in the game. Yeah, we know Don and your affinity for for guys that that play on special teams. That's uh, I do. Well, I like guys. I like guys who are going to do a lot of different things because you need those guys, and and it's not going to show up in the in the stats. But um, without them, you don't win football games. I mean, very true. But that's the quickest way into Don Callahan's heart. That and cake, <laughs> donuts, it's donuts. Ah, special teams of donuts. There you go. Yeah, All right, you so weren't, you weren't on the uh, the Father's Day podcast that was after the freak show with um, John. I'm sorry, not John with. Um, with Tommy and um, and Ross, and, no, I don't. I don't think I was. I missed that one. But donuts. All right, I'll remember that. So let's uh, l- let's talk about the rest of, of the wide receivers, Don. And between Olson Simmons and Spotsville, you know they're all three star wide receiver guys, roughly around the same according to the two four seven composites. The one that actually I think is going to fly under the radar and kind of be my guy to keep an eye on is Welton Spotsville. He he really blew up on the scene late. What I saw from his film coming out of Havelock, it was very impressive, I, I've got to say. I think he is the one that, if, if you ask me which of the three is going to outperform their ranking while in college, it would be him. What do you think about all three guys? Give us a, a quick rundown. And out of the three, which one do you kind of have your eye on as, as someone that you know could actually shine probably the brightest in college yeah the guy that i really like is justin olsen and, and i know that's going to surprise some people but if you just look at his his film i mean it's just unbelievable now measurable wise um you know speed agility, all that sort of stuff i don't expect him to time or measure very well but i mean the kid just gets it done he plays in a very competitive area goes to north mech high school and you know plays against all the charlotte area schools and but he doesn't have the talent around him that a kid at at a kid at Mallow Creek has or a kid at uh, Huff has. Um, so he has to do it all and um, put up tremendous numbers. And just a kid who's who's going to win with his smarts and with his competitiveness and with his determination. I really like him. Um, I, I like Spotsville too that you mentioned. I mean, he's a guy who. In Havelock's offense, you know, Havelock is one of the, I guess, football powerhouses in North Carolina. In Havelock's offense, they they mostly just try to get the ball in his hands. And and I would say probably more than 90% of the time, it was just short passes. Let's see what you can do. And a lot of times he would break tackles and, you know, for long gains. Or they would do situations where they give him the ball on a on some sort of jet sweep or a handoff or or even a direct snap, and you know he would bust it for long gains. I mean, he's he's the guy who you want to get the ball in his hands in some way or another, 
and that he's going to bring make some tackles. He's going to break some tackles, and he's going to um, turn something into nothing. Emory Simmons is a guy who's just an athletic freak. He has really the past couple of years. You know, I guess it was two years ago. Um, he wasn't really a receiver. He was he played all over the place for a private school team, and then he transferred to Southview uh, prior to his junior season, where they said, "Hey, you're our go-to receiver." And he has made a lot of um, progression developing into that receiver, particularly with the one thing I noticed in his junior season was he had his hands were inconsistent. He always had the ability to make the spectacular catch, um, but was um, prone to dropping catchable balls. But the one thing I noticed just reviewing his senior film and then also watching him in the Shrine Bowl practices last week was just his hands have come a long way. And that's that's a positive sign. Every player is going to have negatives and going to have things that they need to work on. And I really love seeing a kid who – talk about donuts. I really love seeing a kid who um, who's working on that, and you can notice that in, in his game from one year to the next. All right, let's go ahead and take our first quick commercial break, Don. When we get back, let's continue with our preview of the early signing day period. So we'll be right back after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Don Callahan breaking down the early signing day period for everybody, which is coming up on Wednesday, December 19th. So moving on to tight end, Don, the the heels only have one commit there similar to the running back spot, and it is Kamari Morales out of Florida, three-star tight end. What can you tell us about Morales, and how do you see him fitting into the new offensive scheme being brought in by coach Longo? Well, I think anybody who wants to know about Kamari Morales, I think you need to go listen to our podcast interview with him because his competitiveness really shines through just in that interview. I mean, he's a guy that just, he wants to win. He thinks he's going to win and he's going to do whatever is necessary to win. And that's the one thing I love about, about his game. Uh, As far as fitting into to uh, Longo's offense, I, I mean, I, I think he's going to be able to do a lot of different things. I think he's, to me, I see him as more of like an H-back sort of guy, a jack-of-all-trades. You could put him in the backfield if you need to, to for blocking. You can flank him out wide. You can um, you know, attach him to the line if you need to. He's a great route runner, uh, very good hands, very, very versatile. Just you Just look at his film from his high school uh, uh, season this past year. I mean, he he did a lot of different things. Ran the ball, caught the ball, threw the ball, you name it, he did it. He punted the ball, which I know that, that's, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I love guys that, that uh, do those sort of things. And, you know, just speaks to their versatility. I mean, you know, as I've mentioned before, you know, there's, there's, obviously there's differences between playing defensive back and, say, receiver. But um, it's impressive when a guy can do both. But it's a huge difference when a guy is a a skill position and also is handling punts. I just think it's it's um huge asset. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love his competitiveness and I love his his versatility. And I think that uh, Longo is going to be able to do a lot of different things with Morales once he's on the offense. 
Yeah, that was the the thing that stood out to me too is just his competitiveness and his drive to really kind of you know just be the best he can at at the college level. So I'm very excited to see what Morales can do for the heels. I like his measurables as well, six three two thirty, but he's got a bigger frame on where I think he actually could bulk up to be closer to maybe two forty five ish and not really lose that athleticism that really lets him stand out. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to Chapel Hill. Let's move on to the offensive line spot. And there UNC has a total of two players that have given verbal commitments, but there are two others listed on the inside Carolina recruiting board as kind of people to keep their eyes on. So let's talk about the commits first on. We have Asim Richards out of Pennsylvania and then Wyatt Tunnel out of South Carolina. Tunnel is the one who recently uh, flipped his commitment from Appalachian State to the heels. Richards has been a commit for a while now. Both listed at 6'5". Richards is uh, listed as a little bit heavier, 285, as opposed to Tunnel, 270. So what can you tell us about these two guys? And do you see them playing at the offensive tackle spots that they are currently listed? Or do you think that one or both of them could potentially move inside at some point during their college careers? Well, both of them have experience playing offensive tackle, and I think they have the size and athleticism to stay at those positions. Um, but, you know, with, with offensive linemen, it's always kind of a crapshoot what ends up happening once they actually get on campus because it's such a, um, you know, it's a position that no matter what, Unless you're an elite, elite guy, you're going to have at least one season of development where they kind of uh, figure out just what you are. Um, now, with Richards, he's the one who has the the longest way to go just because his past season was his first as playing offensive tackle. The, the prior year, he was uh, mostly a defensive lineman, and that's where a lot of schools actually recruited him initially. Uh, but uh, but he played this past season for um, um, for his high school at at left tackle, um, and that's where North Carolina sees him playing at. Uh, with uh, with Tunnel, um, yeah, he's a guy who ha- is tremendous run blocker, but uh, and has the ability that the the athleticism and the length to play a left tackle, but uh, and on the college level. Uh, but he his experience is almost exclusively as a run blocker in a very run heavy offense, an offense that actually um, helped uh, Chester High School in South Carolina go undefeated and win a, a state championship. Um, so his he needs to obviously develop the the pass pro aspect of his game, but I I do expect him to stay at offensive tackle. But I think that he could fit in just just like with Austin Richards, he could easily kick inside and 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 play a guard position if if that's if that's what ends up being what's best for him and the team. All right. So what about the two guys that are uncommitted right now, Don Tristan Miller and then Darnell Wright? Let's start with Wright since he is the five star guy. I mean, does UNC realistically have a shot here, or should Carolina fans kind of you know just kind of be moving on from his recruitment i think it's best just to kind of um not worry about darnell Wright too much he still lists north carolina in all of his interviews and a lot of that is because of his relationship with bibley ross they were uh teammates and close friends at uh huntington high school um but uh you know i think alabama tennessee you know uh 
maybe even Ohio State are are, are the schools that are that are um, that are going to end up landing him. Maybe UNC gets an official visit. I really think North Carolina would be lucky to get an official visit, but this is as long of a long shot as possible. Um, so, Tristan, well, I, I was going to say, so real quick, so so you don't anticipate Darnell Wright making a commitment during this early signing day period then? No, no, no. He's he's definitely going to wait until February. He, he has more visits scheduled in January that are going to be impactful on his decision. All right, so then Tristan Miller is the other one. Miller was the longtime NC State commit. He decommitted, was it back in, in November, Dawn, is when Miller opened last things week. back up? It was last week. Last week, okay, so it was a little bit sooner than that. All right, so do you think that, number one, Miller could be signing during this early signing day period? And then number two, what do you give Carolina's chances right now? Is this one that Tar Hill fans should be paying attention to over the, the next few days? Well, it's up in the air whether he signs during this signing period. And probably uh, by the time you listen to this, we'll probably have news on what he's going to do. Um, Inside Carolina caught up with his coach on Monday who kind of broke down as much as possible the situation or as much as he could the situation. Uh, And at that point, he was unsure if um, Miller was going to sign during the signing period just because of the fact that he just decommitted. Um, and had taken an official visit to a completely other school over the weekend, and there was just so much up in the air. As far as UNC's chances, I think UNC has a great shot. I really do. I think, I think the staff has been working hard on him for the past few weeks, really since uh, Mac Brown became head coach, um, and really we're kind of hitting a wall until uh, NC State lost his offensive line coach. And um, so – you know, that work that uh, the staff was doing uh, that seemed like it wasn't getting anywhere ended up being um, beneficial as soon as uh, Miller was back on the market. All right, so let's go ahead and take another quick commercial break. When we get back, we will talk about the defensive side of the ball. I think we've talked about everyone on offense already, Don. So let's switch gears a little bit. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Don Callahan talking the early national signing day here. So switching to defense, Don, and particular defensive line. Uh, For those that have not caught on yet or are not familiar with the Inside Carolina football recruiting board, we are literally just going in order uh, the tabs that that Don and, and the staff have assembled there. So DLs, Carolina picked up two recent commitments from defensive ends. Kevin Hester, who just committed this past weekend. Christian Varner, who who committed the weekend before that. Let's begin with those two guys. How do you see them projecting at the college level, Don? Both, to me, seem a little bit like projects. I think they absolutely need red shirts, especially for Hester, considering that he was a uh, basketball player for so long and just recently picked up up football. He's going to need time to really get into the weight room learn techniques, things like that. Varner may be a little bit more ready to go, but even then, I think he is also going to be someone that the Heels fans need to have some patience with. But what's your opinion of these two guys? And do you see both of them sticking at the defensive end position? Yeah, before I answer your question, I think I do need to to make sure everyone knows how to get to the football recruiting board because it's a, um, 
I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I think it's a huge tool if you are a huge uh, recruiting fan. Um, if you go up on the toolbar, there's three dots, and you just hover over that and click on football recruiting board. There's also a basketball recruiting board, but I don't know anything about that. But the football <laughs> recruiting board, um, it's it's updated on a daily basis, maybe not minute by minute, but uh, especially during busier times of the year. But as far as wanting to know who's been offered, uh, what visits they've taken, what positions are being looked at, all that sort of stuff, who's recruiting them, uh, that this that's the best place to go. And, and you'll see it being referenced on Inside Carolina's message board pretty often. But uh, going back to your question, um, you know, the – the guy that I really, really like is Christian Varner. If you put on his film, his uh, initial step is just uh, is so quick. And he's also so, even though he's you know, 6'4", 240, he's very, very agile. And um, he has very strong hands, and he's able to you know, uh, control blockers with them. But his first instinct is to use that quick step and that agil- the quick step to step into the gap and the agility to, to make himself small to kind of slide into the gap, into the backfield to, uh, to make a play. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's a guy who is going to bring a lot of flexibility to the defense because of his ability to play basically any position along the, the defensive line. Um, I, I think he's, he's going to bulk up some and which will allow him to have the power and, and the size to play inside, but because of his agility and, um, his, his explosiveness, um, he could play on the edge also. Hester, as you mentioned, I, I agree. I think he's he's actually a couple years away. He's he's a guy who didn't play football until this past year. He focused on basketball, and then after I think he realized that maybe this wasn't going to that was not going to be his uh, his ticket to to college. Um, he decided to give football a try um, at. North Cobb High School in Georgia, which is actually a program that has produced a lot of um, a lot of football recruits. Um, you know, he's uh, he's he's like every other uh, basketball player turned football player. I mean, he's he's a guy who's who's has very good size, six six, two hundred thirty pounds, um, and is very athletic for that size. But is understandably raw, very long. He, he he's learned how to kind of use that. Um, I actually see him, a lot of people are pegging him as a, as a defensive lineman. After looking at his film the other day, I feel like he is going to kind of almost be like a, a Jalen Dalton where he'll bulk up and move inside, even though you look at him and you see defensive end. I, I just think because of um, his school, his, I'm sorry, because of his skill set, uh, defensive tackle is his future eventually. That's interesting to hear because, like you said, if you look at his frame, you wouldn't think that he would be able to play inside. But if he can kind of learn that that technique, possibly forming into a rush DT, that would be a huge asset for the heels. So turning to the uncommitted guys, Don, there are five total, and I'm just going to read them off real quick. Tamari Fox, Jaden McKenzie, Raymond Vohasek, Jadarian Boykin, and then Dorian Josie. So out of those five, are there any that you feel Carolina fans should go ahead and probably choose to not pay attention to over National Signing Day? Or are there any of those that you think are going to wait past this early window um, and then therefore their recruitments will drag on 
into February where they will eventually sign with the school. Yeah, so right now I think we can just temporarily because I think there UNC is going to be involved in all these guys. Um, I think uh, Ray Vlahasic, uh Jadarian um, Boykin, and Dorian Josie all do not plan on signing during this signing period. Um, as I said, North Carolina is involved with the three of them, um, particularly with Vlahasic, who UNC would love to have signed, but he's just not going to be ready. He's, he's receiving additional attention and wants to kind of vet those those options. Additionally, um, he has officially visited North Carolina, but wants to uh, make sure he has met all the coaches that uh, that that are going to be coaching him if he were to come to North Carolina. Uh, the fact that he lives in Chicago makes it a little bit difficult for for that to happen in such a short window that Mac Brown was working with. But um, I expect UNC to definitely be involved after the holidays with him. That leaves us with Tamari Fox and Jaden McKenzie. These are guys who, if you listen to the podcast or you are a regular inside Carolina, inside Carolina, you know these names. UNC has been recruiting these guys. Well, recruiting McKenzie for for um, over a year. Uh, Tamari Fox has, you know, he's his brother is Taman Fox, who plays defense line for North Carolina. Jaden McKenzie is making his announcement at his high school on Wednesday. I, you know, I don't get the warm and fuzzies from, uh, from him. Um, the rumors are Ohio state is, uh, is the team that he's going to choose. And, and I don't have anything to refute that tomorrow. Fox is an interesting one. Uh, I talked briefly with him on Monday and, uh, you know, he, he's basically at any point on commitment watch, uh, he's down to North Carolina, uh, Georgia Tech in Iowa. I think you could probably eliminate Iowa just because of the distance and the fact that he hasn't visited since he officially visited the school back in June. So it's going to come down to Georgia Tech, which is obviously much closer to his family, or North Carolina where his brother plays. And um, maybe by the time that you hear this podcast, he would have made a decision. All right, so... I think, Don, that Tamari, I mean, he's the one that I I really hope that the heels do go ahead and land. Uh, It's like you said, I mean, having his his brother on campus and uh, be committed has got to give UNC an edge in that one. And I'm actually very impressed with with, with what I've seen of Tamari's film. And it's disappointing to hear about Jaden McKenzie. With recruiting, as we always say, nothing is written in stone. We'll see what happens there, but certainly things are trending towards Ohio State right now. So, but that's a, an interesting position group, I think, overall. Let's talk about linebacker real quick. The, the Tar Heels have one commitment, Kadri Jackson, um, out of Florida. And then they are also pursuing another Florida native, Octavius Brothers, and also a Virginia guy, Eugene Asante. Now, Asante, I have not heard too much on Don. So talk to me about him. And then what about Octavius Brothers, too? Like, between those two, are either of them uh, projected to sign on, on Wednesday? And if they are, do you think that the Heels have a, real, a realistic shot with them? Well, with, with Brothers and Asante, um, neither one of them plan on signing during the signing period, during the, the early signing period. So we can kind of uh, wait on those guys. Um, Brothers did officially visit UNC uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Asante was actually offered by UNC last week, and he's kind of like a late bloomer. A lot of schools are getting on him um, recently, and so he's um, kind of juggling 
all that. Uh, North Carolina is definitely trying to get him to to take an official visit, but what we would have to wait until after the um, after the holidays for that. Um, so you know, um, so those guys for right now we don't need to worry about. But Kadri Jackson is a guy that uh, he's he's pro- he's listed as a safety on the website, uh, and that's because he primarily played safety at his high school. Mm-hmm. But um, he slowly started to kind of move into a linebacker position. And to me, I mean, I, I love this kid's game. You know, he, he has a lot of potential. I think he has the, the ability to turn into like a spur, you know, a hybrid uh, safety slash linebacker. I could do a lot of different things. You can keep him on the field and passing downs because he's going to be able to, to cover receivers. But at the same time, he's going to make an impact in the running game and kind of just be all over the field. Uh, making tackles, making hard hits. He's a big athletic kid who has a frame to really bulk up. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about uh, with Jackson is given that he is listed as a safety and only 190. Uh, it's good to hear that that from what you've seen, he does have that frame to, to potentially bulk up. I'm guessing then that you project him to be an outside linebacker, Don, and not play that, that Mike role. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely an outside linebacker, but he's probably more, like I said, he's probably more of a guy that um, be more kind of like a spur, you know, where he'll be kind of um, like a rover sort of position um, where he'll, he'll he'll play sometimes in the box, sometimes he'll play back like a safety. It's just going to depend on the um, the situation and and the the opponent. All right. Well, new defensive coordinator Jay Bateman does like those guys that have the, the athleticism and can really move around, especially if he does end up playing that three, four style defense. So I think Jackson could probably fit in pretty well there. Now, let's go ahead and talk about the final of the non-specialist positions, and that is the secondary. Carolina has three commits, Giovanni Bigger, Storm Duck, and then Obi Egbuna. And there's no one else listed on the Inside Carolina recruiting board. So I take it down that those are the three guys and Carolina is is done at that position, at least as things stand today. Yeah, I think that um, UNC will try to get in on a defensive back or two after the holidays. But as as far as uh, the December signing period is concerned, those are the three that we only need to worry about. So then let's go ahead and break down a little bit uh, of your thoughts on them. Biggers is listed as safety. Duck and Egbuna are listed as cornerbacks. So beginning with, with Giovanni, we talked with him um, a, on the podcast, if, if I remember correctly. Came across as a very articulate young man. Uh, his film is is pretty impressive, Don. I mean, it's not against you know very good competition, to be fair. But regardless, though, what do you think of of Biggers and and his ability to to translate to to college level? I think for me, the attribute that I liked about him was his instincts and his kind of first step that that explosiveness. Overall, athleticism is still good, but I think that that's where as a safety, you know that Carolina is going to be relying on his ability to diagnose a play, make a first step, and then try to go ahead and shut down the opposing team. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, my thing with him is his, uh, just willingness to contribute to run support. I mean, he loves to get in there and make tackles. Now at six, one, 180 pounds, that's only going to last, um, a short period of time on the college level. So he's going to definitely need to bulk up. Um, so he's going to, 
benefit tremendously from a redshirt year when he's in a uh, college strength and conditioning program and, and able to add good muscle to play the way he wants to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, his his thing is he's coming in and he's going to be a safety, as you mentioned, but he's going to be a safety who's who's going to tr- you know, try to shut down the run. All right, and then Storm Duck and Egbuna. We talked about Egbuna in our podcast early on in the week about how you really view him as a as a lockdown type cornerback, someone that that the heels can just put on the opposing team's best player and expect him to really hold his own. You know, go ahead and, and, and talk with us briefly about him, and then Storm Duck out of South Carolina. What are his attributes, Don, that you see really translating? to the college level well first with storm he looks like a a safety but he has the speed and coverage skills of a cornerback so he's going to give you a lot of versatility uh yeah he and i mean he really could play any position in the secondary and i'm really interested to see just where he ends up uh, but i think that he's a guy who who should contribute pretty early on in his career because they'll find something for a guy who who um, is so versatile as Storm Duck is. Plus, he has a really, really badass name. Um, on top <laughs> yes. of that, uh, on, on to um, Obi Egbuna. You know, as as you mentioned, I mean, I think he's a he's a cover guy. He um, he's a smart kid who um, does a good job reading the quarterback. He has a great closing speed, um, great leaping ability, which allows him to play much bigger than his listed. 5'10", 170 pounds. Uh, he had, um, I think it was six or seven interceptions last year for a Charlotte Christian team that went undefeated and won the state championship in the highest classification in the independent leagues, which is the private school leagues. Um, we talked a little bit about the competition. You know, they played some cupcakes, but they also played some very good programs that have, um, uh, you know, fellow FBS recruits on their roster. Um, but I mean, he's a guy that that Dre Bly really believes in. Um, and when Dre Bly became coach at North Carolina, he was one of the first guys that he wanted to make sure that UNC offered. That obviously happened, and he committed this past weekend. All right, and then I think Don that should wrap us up Specialist. on the non-specialist. Yep. Oh yeah, oh, I, I have not forgotten uh, about right. those guys. Uh, let's get to your favorite players now. And one guy that I know, Don, that you love to talk about, Drew Little. Let's start there. <laughs> a nationally ranked long snapper. Drew has a very good career overall, actually. He played special teams. He played defense. Basically, he did whatever his team needed him to do on the football field. And it's like you've said time and time again, Don, if you are a long snapper, you basically don't want to ever be talked about because if you are, it means that something probably went horribly wrong. So talk about about Drew and just how important you think it is to have someone of his caliber being able to lock down that long snapper position for you know what should be four years. Yeah, and... and- for specialists, for me, it's kind of the reverse of non-specialists. Whereas, you know, with uh, non-specialists, I like I, I love the fact when a guy will contribute to special teams. But uh, with specialists, I love the fact when a guy on a high school li- level, at least, is a tremendous uh, contributor to um, to non-specialist jobs. And and Drew Little obviously is a self-made, nationally ranked long snapper. 
you know, the best of the best. And it's one of those things that during the Shrine Bowl, Shrine Bowl practices, I actually got to watch him snap a lot in, in person. And um, you definitely develop more of an appreciation for what he does, especially when you're used to seeing what a typical high school long snapper, how you know the velocity that they have and um, the speed that they're getting the ball back. I mean, Drew Little, I mean, you notice the difference in his velocity and you notice the difference in where he puts the ball exactly where it needs to be put. Um, but going back to what I was talking about with um, his non-specialist role, he is a, a reigning defensive player of the year of his conference for his play at linebacker where I believe he led his team in in tackles, but he also uh, was kind of the quarterback of that defense and um, you know made all the defensive calls. So, I mean, I love that aspect that he's versatile um, like that. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be undersized in college, 5'11", 230 pounds, but um, I think his background of playing linebacker is going to serve him um, tremendously when he's running down the field after a good snap to try to um, make a tackle. Uh, the other guy, Ben Kernan, is another guy who's who's nationally ranked. Uh, I love this kid's competitiveness, which is what you don't normally associate with a with a punter. But we haven't had him on the podcast. Maybe we need to. But he's a guy that um, when you talk to, particularly when it comes to competing against other punters, uh, you you just kind of sense his competitiveness. I mean, um, and, and he brings the whole game to uh, to North Carolina. I mean, he's a guy that has the leg strength to flip the field for you, but he also has the, I guess, technique and accuracy to pin an offense deep. And I think that he's going to be a huge asset for UNC. Um, now, unlike... Drew, whereas we hope we never mention his game, his name again until he graduates. I think we're going to be talking about Kernan because I think there's going to be times where North Carolina really needs to um, to need some help in the the possession game. That Kernan is going to really put the opposition in a very difficult position, and it, and it's going to it's going to be the difference in some games during his career. Yeah, I've been I've actually been really impressed with with, with Kernan's just overall game, Don. And it's like you said, I mean, to have someone of his ability and his technical skill, especially with that leg, because that's what has always been impressive to me is just the fact that even as a junior, he averaged over 40 yards per punt and he improved on that as a senior, which is just massive. So that wraps up everyone that is on the Inside Carolina recruiting board for now. You know, let's take a, a, an eagle eye view of, of the class Don that is projected to sign during the, this early signing day period. Compared to where it was when Larry Fedora, his last day as head coach, then with the decommitments, now with what Mac Brown has been able to bring in over these last few weeks, just your overall thoughts on on this class, and yeah, let's just you know wrap it up on, with that. I think that Coach Mac Brown has made a lot of um, great additions to this class. Uh, with that said, it's it's probably where it would be at for Fedora, to be completely honest. I mean, if you look at it, um, you know, right now. Um, and obviously we're waiting on to see what Sam Hale does. But uh, right now it's Chaffrey Brown, a four-star, and a bunch of three-stars or 
guys who the staff uh, views as sleepers. And that's what Fedora's class would have been. And if you look at a lot of these guys that, that, uh, that Mac Brown has added, um, I mean, I see a lot of potential in these guys. I see potential in all these guys, to be honest. Um, but I think Fedora would have um, landed similar guys just with different names. They would have been a bunch of three stars and sleepers. And I think Chaffrey Brown still would have committed to North Carolina, whether it was um, Mac Brown or Larry Fedora, just because of the circumstances with his mother and, and wanting to make her Saturday travels easier. But really, I know that sounds like I'm kind of putting a damper on it. There's a lot of guys I really like in this class. I, I like the Egbuna kid that that uh, was just recently added. I, I watched this film again last night. I really like the Quadra Jackson kid. Um, you know, I, I think there's uh, you know there's some potential there with uh, Justin Olson that we mentioned. So there's definitely some guys who I think will outperform their rankings. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Don. And I think your your initial point there that you know this class was probably similar to what Coach Fedora would have been able to land. I think that I absolutely agree with that. And it, to me, it's more important that the looking forward to the 2020 class, at least initially as things stand today, looks to be a little bit more positive for the heels. Mac Brown did have have that elite group of 2020 guys on campus for the game against Gonzaga. And it's like we mentioned during our our earlier podcast, you know, that was kind of buoyed by the fact that, hey, there's a new coach in town and the coaches are recruiting right now without having a win loss record. So it's a very good position for them to be in. And I, I do think, though, that there's still some work to be done between now and the February signing period. UNC, I, I think, still needs to land a true defensive tackle. I would like to, to see them identify someone who does not sign during this week, really goes after them. Sam Howell is obviously someone as well that must be a priority. But overall, Don, I think there's still a little bit of work that, that Mac Brown's staff still needs to go ahead and complete. But I think I'm good to go ahead and wrap this up for signing day, unless if there's anything else that you want to talk about. Yeah, the only thing I would just add is that, yeah, I think the Mac Brown effect will be felt more in the next class and the class after that than on this class. I think there is definitely a, um, a some work to do. Um, I think, though, the early signing period, with how much it just shrinks that pool down of, of potential um, – options it's going to make that work very difficult and i wouldn't be surprised if if mac brown's you know the class that he signs in february has um some holes that still need to be felt that they wish they were able to fulfill during uh this class yep definitely agree with that all right man well let's go ahead and wrap this one up for everyone listening we do appreciate it as always and to get the full scoop on every single player that will be signing with the Tar Heels during the signing day, make sure that you check out the InsideCarolina.com Tar Pit Premium Message Board, where Don Callahan will attempt to not go into a work-induced coma after talking with all these guys and putting out so many stories over the next couple of days. Yep, yep. And, and we should mention also that uh, we're going to have tons of coverage on, on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So make sure, make sure you're on Inside Carolina Wednesday for, for sure. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. 
Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEALS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. 